covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us for another week's worth of Brewers talk and baseball talk. Unfortunately, not a whole lot of new information in terms of when we might actually see baseball getting played. There was some developments uh, in the collective bargaining agreement negotiation this past week. More on that in just a moment. As always, our uh, housekeeping items here at the top of the podcast. If you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so on Twitter, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And if you listen to the podcast on Apple Podcast and want to leave a ranking and review and also subscribe, we would very much appreciate that. Our featured guest this week is going to be Dom Catronio. He is uh, part of the uh, Locked on Brewers podcast along with uh, Vinny Rotino, and he's also uh, very involved with Brewers broadcast, working as a statistician on uh, Bally Sports Wisconsin, also does uh, work with uh, Turner Sports and a number of other things as well. So uh, Dom's going to join us coming up here in just a little while. The news this week on the uh, collective bargaining uh, agreement front Uh, The negotiation is kind of stalled at the moment. Baseball owners are going to have their meetings coming up uh, this week, and we'll see what comes out of that. Owners had requested federal mediation. There is a a branch that's part of the the government where they can provide you uh, somebody come in as a neutral third party and provide some mediation that's what major league baseball owners were looking for uh, the owner the players i should say rejected that basically saying in in rejecting it they basically accused the owners of not yet negotiating basically saying we don't need a third party to come in to help negotiate when you're not doing any negotiation yet so that's kind of the the take from the players at this point a lot of players uh went on social media Max Scherzer most notably sent out a couple tweets saying we don't need mediation because what we are offering to MLB is fair to both sides we want a system where threshold and penalties don't function as camps allow younger players to realize more of their market value make service time manipulation a thing of the past and eliminate tanking as a winning strategy there continues to be some areas that they do seem to be at least inching towards some type of agreement. Uh, the league did agree to remove direct draft pick compensation. league offered a universal uh, DH. The union said it's okay expanding the postseason to 12 teams. Owners would like 14, but there seems to be at least some agreement there. Both sides open to uh, a draft lottery. Uh, Major League Baseball proposing non-playoff teams be eligible for uh, the top three spots. So if you don't make it into the postseason, there is a possibility you could be picking number one, even if, say, you were the top team that didn't make it into uh, the postseason. The bonus pool for non-arbitration eligible players, we've talked a lot about that. That's the the proposal, the idea of it, the theory of it. Both sides are good with it, but money is the issue. So the owners offered a $10 million pool the players wanted it to be 105. They've since come down to 100, but there's still 90 million dollars that are separating the two sides. So I don't know. I'm 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 a little more pessimistic probably right now than I was previously. The players are dug in. 
owners are dug in. We'll see what comes out of these owners' meetings that will be coming up uh, this week and see if uh, the owners might start making any type of major moves where they are at. And if that happens, maybe that will prompt moves on each side of it. Uh, one other note, uh, when it comes to uh, the Brewers, they brought in a couple uh, people into the organization, familiar names. Ricky Weeks has been uh, hired, the second overall pick in the 2003 draft. He is going to serve as an assistant in the player development department. And Pedro Alvarez has also been hired. He is going to serve as an assistant in player development and also baseball operations. Uh, each individual does have ties to the Brewers. Obviously, Weeks has very deep ties uh, to the organization. But uh, Alvarez is married to bench coach Pat Murphy's daughter, so he's got uh, ties to the organization as well. As mentioned uh, on this week's podcast, our featured guest, it is a guy who is uh, very involved in Brewers broadcast on Bally Sports Wisconsin, uh, serving as the uh, statistician. A lot of the great stats that you hear, whether it's uh, Brian Anderson or, or Jeff Levering or when Matt LePay was there, although he's not going to be doing the games uh, anymore, Bill Schroeder, whoever it might be. Much of that information is uh, coming from Dom Catronio. He is uh, also part of the Locked on Brewers podcast, the uh, podcast that he does with uh, Vinny Rotino multiple times per week, depending on uh, the time of the year. Sometimes you get it three times a week. Sometimes you get it five times a week. Sometimes you get it more than that, but they are continuing to uh, go strong. So let's get right to it. This week's uh, featured conversation with Dominic Catronio uh, right here on Brewers Extra Innings Podcast, powered by W. WTMJ Mobile. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. We continue on with Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. We're very happy to uh, welcome on a guy who uh, you can hear every single day pretty much talking Brewers on the Locked on Brewers podcast involved in a lot of other things as well, including uh, most of the stats that you hear during uh, Brewers broadcast uh, on uh, Bally Sports Wisconsin. He might be the originator of it. It is uh, Dom Catronio. You can follow him on Twitter at Dom underscore, I'll just spell it out, C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O. Dom, thanks so much for uh, taking some time. How are you? I'm good, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yeah, let's... um. Before we get anything else, you and Vinny uh, Rotino do the Locked on Brewers podcast. It's a five-day-a-week podcast, plus you, you just did a bonus episode here recently where you went through a lot of the kind of facts and figures and terms and analysis of everything going on with the collective bargaining agreement. But what's been uh, – I do a weekly podcast, <laughs> and it's hard for it to be different on an every-week basis – you guys are doing it on a, on a daily basis. You've done some cool things like look back at, at big moments and uh, Vinny's done some swing analysis, like things like that. But has it been challenging for you guys doing it on pretty much an everyday basis? Uh, it's definitely challenging, um, but kudos to, to Vinny for being game, for getting creative with this. You know, the swing analysis is something that he's really taken off with the YouTube page. Um for you know our segments right now we're doing three days a week thank goodness our bosses at locked on let us do three days because normally the structure is five days which it will be in the regular season as it is with most other you know podcast groups uh they have pretty much every you know professional sports team in north america um but basically you know we, we do some segments so for instance uh, mondays is mailbag so we take the weekend to field some questions and if there's any headlines that pop up we talk about that on mondays Tuesdays is we, when we try to do interviews. Sometimes we'll have a bonus episode on Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on who our interview is. 
Uh, we've had a great list already. Uh, Jeff Cirillo, Dale Swaim. Uh, we had John Boy on. I mean, in Sophia, uh, it's been a whole lot of fun. Uh, and then Thursdays right now, we're almost at the end of it. This is probably what I'm most proud of is the the Throwback Thursday series where I made this list of the top 20 games of the 2021 season and just racked my brain of like, all right, I, I worked the majority of the games last year. So all the games I remember and what I didn't, didn't remember and just made this list. And I mean, number one and number two are going to be pretty obvious when you think about what happened last year, but the list from three to 20 was so much fun to make of games that you forget little details that made the season. And that's on Thursdays where we look back at, you know, a, a crazy game and just go through every little minutia that, that happened in that game. Yeah, It's fun because like, I'm somebody that I think, Quite honestly, I think your memory on things is probably better than mine. There's been some stuff that I've seen you do that. Uh, oh, yeah, I remember that. I still uh, a couple of years ago when we had the uh, season that was started short because of the pandemic, when MLB did uh, some you know great games on YouTube. I remember watching that playoff game against the Rockies and before the big Moustakis hit where he uh, just barely foul tipped a pitch that would have been strike three. So that moment would not have happened if not for that, you know, one centimeter difference on, on the swing of a bat. And I had not remembered that it's, it's fun to go back and look at these games and see the moments in them that really did make a difference. Yeah. And it's funny because this week's episode, I'll spoil it. Now it's, it's the playoff game is one of the games that we're recapping. So game one of the NLDS Rowdy's home run in the seventh inning off of Morton, he broke his bat on the literal previous pitch on a foul ball. Literally fouled the ball off down a left field line that landed on the warning track by the tarp roll. He has to walk back to the dugout, get a new piece of wood, and then come up and hits a homer on the next pitch. I I, I love that. That's incredible. And uh, it's one of those things that, you know, maybe maybe some diehards are going to really remember. But I, I had certainly forgot about it. And I was sitting right next to Don Orsillo for that. So it was pretty crazy. Yeah, that's um, I don't remember that, to be perfectly honest with you. I don't remember that at all. So those, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Those small moments that when you look at them again, you kind of go, OK, that's that's notable. That's something that's uh, that's worth mentioning. It's funny you mention it, too, because my mom has nicknamed me Rain Man since I was younger. Uh, Rain Man, the Dustin Hoffman movie, Tom Cruise. Uh, he doesn't forget anything. He remembers every little detail. I won't say I'm to that level, but it's um, it's crazy. I, I don't know. It, it's not photographic, but it's it's a weird mind. It, it, I guess you can call it a steel trap mind, but I just remember stupid, random stuff out of nowhere. And my mom would, you know, if I'm watching a game with my dad or something, my mom's like, how do you remember that? Like, why, why do you remember that and not your homework or something like that? Well, and I... I've done a little bit of the stats work on when you're working with a BA nationally or whatever it might be. And just watching the things that you come up with in the course of the game and the way that you're able to navigate through baseball reference and things, it is pretty cool because that, that is obviously a, a gift of yours to be able to find those things. I'm, I'm just a nerd. It's really how I explain it to people. I'm paid to be a nerd. Um, it's, it's an awesome job. I've been doing this um, since I was 18 years old, really, uh, my first guy that I worked for was Roxy Bernstein back in Arizona. In fact, the first game I ever did being a statistician was with Roxy Bernstein on ESPNU, uh, in 2013, it was Trevor Williams against Mark Appel, ASU versus Stanford baseball. Trevor Williams, obviously in the big leagues. Now Mark Appel never panned out, um, with the Astros being the number one pick, but, it was coming at me like a million miles an hour. Like, oh my gosh, he's got 13 strikeouts. He's got 14 strikeouts. He's got how many first pitch strikes does he have? And it's just like, 
a, a rush of adrenaline of how many things and how many rabbit holes that you can find. You can really, really, you know, get, I call it getting lost in the sauce where you can find every little qualifier, every little, you know, detail to make something unique and make something that my goal is always for one, I want BA or Jeff or rock to not believe me. Like, how did you find this? I want them to be like, there's no way this is real. And I said, it's real. And then, so that way, when they relay it, it makes them look good. It makes our broadcast look good. And it makes the viewer or listener go, oh, wow, that's so cool. That's all I want. That, I think that's the coolest thing ever about my job. Um, you're, you're, the podcast that you recently did, the bonus podcast, it's about mm-hmm. 15 minutes. And I would encourage everybody to, uh, folks to be listening to you and Vinny on an everyday basis or every Thank three you. days, every five days basis anyways. But uh, it, it's really, because we, we just talk in these terms when we're talking about the collective bargaining agreement and the negotiation, and even when stuff like this isn't going on, we use these baseball terms all the time, whether it's luxury tax or service time or arbitration. And I probably a lot of people who listen to these podcasts, especially at this time of the year, they understand it. But there's also a lot of people who don't understand it. And it was a really nice thing that I think you did. It was it was a quick 15 minute deal. And more than anything else, it was kind of an encyclopedia of what all these things mean as you go through the collective bargaining agreement and the negotiation. So people who hear things being said, I think there can be more understanding if they go listen, uh, listen to you what what kind of motivated you to do that for one uh it's obviously the telling you know moment of baseball right now and i'm thinking back to i mean i was born in 1994 so i obviously have no recollection of the strike but my dad was calling baseball during it and understanding you know for a long time i didn't really understand it and then as i've grown up and grown to realize in this game of oh well they were on a strike because they actually technically weren't under an agreement. So that was always a threat that the owners never agreed to them. And the players in good faith decided to, you know, play the season knowing that agreement would eventually come. And then when it was clear, it wasn't going to come, they decided to use their right to strike. And it, in hindsight, it maybe did a lot of damage to, to baseball because of the optic of it, but it's also 1994. It wasn't as much of information available. Heck baseball didn't play under an agreement until 1996. So reading the history of that and a book that I recommend to everybody, I just finished it two nights ago. It's called Lords of the Realm. Uh, It goes through baseball's labor history uh, all the way. I mean, Marvin Miller back to Kennesaw Mountain Landis. uh, I mean, it, it goes everywhere. It's a heavy, long read. It's like 530 pages, but you learn so much. And I mean, Ted Simmons is a big part of it in 1971. Uh, of obviously Kurt Flood, the first, you know, to ask for free agency. Those are huge chapters in the 60s and 70s where I had a big blind spot. So the motivation for it now is understanding it here in 2022 so that in 25 years, if there is, heaven forbid, another one of these, I can recall back to this moment and be like, well, this is what they were arguing here is what is that? And I never, ever, ever want it to boil down to millionaires versus billionaires because it's not that. It truly is not millionaires versus billionaires. I think there's a lot of misinformation out there about people assuming, oh my gosh, you know, why is Garrett Cole asking for more money? He's making 350 million. It's not that. That's not the guy he's fighting for. And that was the whole goal of the episode. So I appreciate that because I wanted to make it as simple, easy to understand. Yes, there's more layers to it. And I could have gone for hours on it, but I just don't want to get people confused because it's already confusing enough. I just pick those five main points that you're going to hear over and over and over again and just explain, here's what the owners want. Here's what the players want. Here's why they disagree and move on. 
it feels like to me this is the first time that the big money players have been fighting for the non-big money players. And we've gone to this place in baseball where there's no middle anymore. Either you make a ton of money or you're making close to the league minimum. There are very, very few players that fall in that minimum. You're not seeing the the three-year $25 million deal anymore. That just doesn't really exist in baseball. So there's there's this desire for the minimum salary to go up, for the opportunity to get to arbitration sooner, uh, for and something that baseball owners actually are, have agreed to, but the pool of money that how much actually is going to go to it, just a certain group of players based off what you do in a year, you being able to get some bonus pool money when you're pre-arbitration. Those are the things that seem to be the most important part of this right now, which I think is different because it feels like in the past, the big money players have had the biggest voice and they've kind of been fighting for themselves. It's exactly the case right now. Um, a lot. That's where the millionaires versus billionaires comment is completely wrong. The majority of, of major league baseball, the majority of players on the 2021 opening day rosters were making less than a million dollars. 62% of the league was making less than a million dollars last year. That is a hundred percent fact straight from the associated press. They do a study every year on payroll and salaries. And that is that number is actually down over the life of the previous CBA that just expired. And I think the crazier number off of that, while you know someone might hear, oh, 1.8%, that's not that much, but the median is the one that's really crazy. So the median, you know, you have the same number of people ahead of you and the same number of people behind you. The median salary has dropped by half a million dollars in only six years. That is what the players are fighting for. Since 2015 to, to now, it's dropped half a million dollars. That's, that's where the players are asking, where's this money going? Because baseball is more profitable than ever before. It's in the billions in market value. Every team always gains market value, no matter how small your market is. So the players are asking, why isn't our revenue going up when your revenue is going up? Yeah, revenue is going up. I mean, you don't even have to worry about revenue and Infl- just simple inflation. Major League Baseball salaries are not keeping up with inflation, which is a very, very telling thing of what uh, what owners are doing here here at the moment. I'm I'm concerned. I, I don't know when this season is going to start. Um, a week ago, I would have told you I was 50 50 on opening day actually happening on opening day. I'm probably less than 50 50 now. I just when when the owners try to bring in a federal mediator and the players say, no, we're not doing a federal mediator until you actually negotiate. It just feels like they're in as bad of a spot as you can possibly be. Well, I, I look back to again, 94, 95, where the, the, the same thing, the owners tried to bring in a federal mediator for that. The players agreed to it then. And they got a, they realized this is a joke because the mediator at the time, Bill Usery uh, was the former secretary of labor, uh, for the, the federal government in the 70s and basically already had a deal made that the owners wanted. And the players realized, like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? This is this is supposed to be a mediation, not a recommendation. So they've already been spurned by that before. So that's part of the reason it was never going to happen. I call it eyewash, to use a baseball term, to say the, the owners are trying to salvage to say, oh, well, we tried to negotiate and you denied us bringing in somebody to help us negotiate. That was never, it was never in good faith. It was never the case. But to the point of opening day, I've been trying to preach positivity, you know, because look, as, as we sit and tape this, it's still the first week of February and day one is March 31st. I get that. I, the season's not starting tomorrow and the owners meetings are are this calendar week and there will be discussions amongst owners about that. There probably won't be much CBA negotiations coming out this week, but 
the point is, if you're going to have the darkest days, it's going to come before the dawn. And I think we're in the darkest days right now. If you lose a week or two of spring training and you make opening day on time, is anybody going to even remember that you missed two weeks of spring training by years end? No, you're not. I don't think it's going to matter at all. Now, I understand people's fears of saying, oh, we're not going to start on time. Well, the, the people I've talked to agree with you as far as that are in the mix. My, my sources on the, on the player side have told me that, yeah, the, the players are really dug in. And it, it's I don't want to put words in people's mouths, but basically they're very, very ready to wait this out because this is a very important negotiation for them, given how badly they lost the previous CBA. We're probably three weeks away from opening day being legitimately compromised. Yeah, I would say by the end of February, if you don't have real concessions being made, if you don't have real progress being made, that's when you start to sweat. And then like that last week of March is the absolute do or die. Because let's be honest, if you make a, an arbitrary deadline, let's let's say for some reason you know, you say three weeks time is what we need to get ready, just like in 2020 for the COVID shortened season. So you would arbitrarily put March 10th as your deadline. What happens if you miss that deadline? Are you going to stop negotiations for a week all of a sudden because we missed our deadline? We know we're not going to make opening day. That's what I fear. I, I, I don't want that to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm going to continue to preach positivity while we're still in early February. That mood could certainly change by the end of the month. From a actual baseball perspective, what concerns me about this from Brewers, when you look at it directly relating to the Brewers, I think Christian Yelich needs a normal spring training, a normal – when you look, you go back to when he first started to struggle, and we can go back to that knee injury and then everything that's happened since then. The one thing that has been constant during this time is just everything's been out of routine, whether it's coming back from that injury, whether it's the spring training starting and stopping, whether it's the weird spring training last year as we were still coming out of the pandemic. The thing I feel like he needs is the routine standard what you always get in front of a season. And he's probably not going to get that. And maybe I'm just, you know, blowing smoke. But for me, I was really looking forward to Yelich, hopefully having as normal of a buildup to a season. And I'm not sure if that can happen now. I, I think that a lot of folks kind of get confused at the purpose of spring training. And also uh, an athlete of Christian Yelich's caliber doesn't need to have somebody put the ball on a tee for him in Phoenix to get his work in. You know, he's getting his work in in California right now, I'm sure. You know, it's it's not like the 70s where or even earlier than that, where guys were not in baseball shape and they needed spring training to get in shape. These guys are working out year round. I mean, you look at everything on Twitter from this past weekend of Mike Trout taking swings. And we all know how that turned out with the guy trying to critique Mike Trout's swing. Like, what are you doing, man? But I mean, these guys are getting their swings and they're getting their work in as they need. I don't think they'll want to do a shortened spring training, but a lot of folks have been hinting for a long time that spring training is too long. Um, I agree with that personally. I think you can get it done in four weeks or less. Um, build up your arms. These guys have been throwing for a long time. Let let the ABs happen and boom, let's, let's get to work. Let's get this show on the road. It's a long enough season as it is. I mean, February to the end of October, if you make it to the World Series, that's, that's a lot of baseball right there. 
it did feel like though going back to and again stadiums were empty it's hard to take anything away there was no sample group when we go back to the 60 game season there were so many Mm -hmm. variables that were changed you just don't know what was impacting what wasn't impacting but man did that the way baseball was being played that year especially early on it felt like they were impacted by the different spring training it, it felt weird. It, it yeah. just felt very weird. I, I, I think the other thing, too, it, it, I kind of compare it to like high school football. You know, when you're going through your camps and everything before that first week. Right. And you're only hitting your teammate. Right. You're only been hitting your teammate and, you know, you're not going to go full blast. And all of a sudden that first quarter comes and you're not hitting your teammate and maybe they're ready to hit you more than you're ready to hit them because you realize, Oh wait, it's not my team. And I can actually go full speed. Now that's kind of what 2020 felt like to me. But as far as Yelich goes, look, I, I like the zips prote- projections are thinking he's going to bounce back better this year, not MVP better, but better to closer to what he was doing with the Marlins. I, I think you would welcome that, you know, with open arms right now at the same time, you know, I, I'm not ready to hit the panic button yet. You know, if, even in April, I wouldn't hit the panic button if we start on time just because it's it's cold. It's the first month of the year. You got to see pitches. It's a long, long season. And heck, two good months can make up for an entire year. And uh, I, I believe that could happen with Christian Yelich in 2022. I think it's going to be really fascinating to see what happens once the lockout comes to an end and all of a sudden you can start acquiring players again. Oh, because yeah. there's, the Brewers still have needs. They could... They could use a first baseman. They could probably still use another outfielder. The bullpen almost still needs to be, you know, the, the middle part of that bullpen still has to be built, basically. There's just, just a handful of guys that are that are going to be back, and there's probably a, a high-leverage guy or two that's not on the roster right now that's going to be on the roster when the season gets started. It's going to be crazy once free agency reopens. I can't wait, because I think we all forget Carlos Correa and Freddie Freeman are technically free agents right yeah. now. Now, I'm not saying the Brewers are going to sign Freddie Freeman. I don't think that's the case. But then you've got the next level guys like Kyle Schwarber is still available. Uh, and shoot, he might be a fit with the Brewers if, you know, if, it, it might come at a pretty big at pretty big cost. But big thing I look at offensively for the Brewers as far as needs and acquisitions, I think a big thing that's going to happen this year is, is if you hope for health, first and foremost. I mean, think about how many games you lost to health with Yelich and Wong last season. and then. Uh, furthermore, I, I naturally that Tyrone Taylor is going to be taking more of the corner outfield at bats as opposed to Jackie Bradley Jr. And that's an upgrade right there. Now, I'm not saying they're going to suddenly become the 1927 Yankees, but I'm saying I think the offense is going to naturally be better as it's constructed right now. But would I say no to Kyle Schwarber? Absolutely not. <laughs> so I, I could see some things happening pretty quickly. Um, on the bullpen side, I, I love the 789 look right now with Cousins, Williams, and Hader. Uh, then if Lindblom can figure things out and you still got Suter, obviously, to be that swing man, maybe you bring up Ethan Small. Maybe he kind of gets that Aaron Ashby role for the 2022 season that Ashby served the second half of last season. So I think there's a little more depth in the bullpen to give credit for. And, and then you can decide if you want Strickland or Boxberger back. And I think it could be very, very interesting once this lockout does end. The minor league guys are still going to start camp on time. If you're not on a 40-man roster and you're signed, the minor league seasons will still get started on time. If I was a a guy who was looking for a major league contract, but I wasn't guaranteed a major league contract, I would consider signing a minor league deal just to be able to 
play a little bit uh, before the lockout comes to an end. If I've got a pretty good feeling that I've, I'm going to have an okay shot to get to the big leagues with that organization, it's one of those decisions that guys have to make right now on whether or not they would ever pursue that. Uh, but there is going to be some type of advantage if there is an extended lockout, if there is an extended work stoppage for veteran guys who are on minor league deals who are going to be kind of fighting between a triple A and a major league spot, there's an advantage for them being able to participate in camp and go play in games. It's going to be interesting because it's clear there won't be a, re- a replacement player type situation in that train wreck that it was in 1995. But it, it's uh, there's rules too as far as who can sign minor league deals. Uh, you've seen a smattering of deals happen even during the lockout that are minor league deals. There are veteran minimums and things like that you have to hurdle. Um, but as far as like prospects that I, I, I feel bad for that are on the 40 man and can't get their work in guys like Mario Feliciano, uh, a, a guy like uh, I would say uh, Alec Bettinger. So I, th- there's a, a couple guys that, you know, don't get their work in yeah. on time, but at the same time, it, it's, it, it's going to work itself out. I believe it will. Um, it, it's just going to be one of those things that we're going to look back on and say, man, that was silly. You know, it's just going to be like, wow, I, we really were fighting over this for, for two months or whatever it may be. I just, I just hope that everything can go as, as close to normal because man, these last three years have just been gut punch after gut punch after gut punch. So I, I, I we're almost there, man. I just want it to be as close as possible. As soon as this lockout ends, I think it's going to be, it could be now we're talking about how bad it is right now and games aren't actually being played. But once we're actually playing games, I think this is going to be an absolutely epic baseball season because it's up for grabs anywhere. It truly is. There is no clear cut favorite as things stand right now. Braves, you know, you wouldn't assume they would repeat. The central is open between the Brewers and the Cardinals. The Mets went out and got everybody. The AL West is going to be bonkers with Otani and the Mariners and the Rangers spending all that. It's going to be an incredible season whenever we get it. And if they do the expanded playoff, you Mm -hmm. might have that many more teams that are fighting to get in, uh, which would be not only would it be epic, just you think about the end of the season, think about what just happened in the NFL, where the last two weeks of the regular season were crazy because so many teams were still in it. It would be the exact same thing in baseball if they do the expanded playoff. I, I think it would be good. I think 12 is the good number. I've stopped short of making my own offers and predictions of what it should and shouldn't be. I think 12 is the good number. I don't want to go bigger than 12 because the owners have proposed 14 because they want more cash in their pockets, which, Hey, I get it. You know, it's a business, but 14 boom, half the league makes it. And I'm not the biggest fan of the NBA's playing thing that they got going on where 10 teams make the playoffs. And you, you saw it last year, it got watered down. So I think 12 is a good number. And I, I pointed this out in the episode that you referenced too that if the uh, the system was in place last year for 14 teams, the 82 and 80 Philadelphia Phillies would have made the playoffs. You're telling me the Phillies were a playoff team last year? I don't think they were. So uh, that's where I, I hesitated at that. But then on the flip side of it, American fans will be shouting, well, then the Blue Jays and the Mariners would have both got in because they both had 90 wins. It was an imbalanced year between the AL and the NL. So uh, I think 12 is the number, and I think that should work out really, really well. Um, I, I would love to see it, as you said, three-game series instead of the one-game playoff, two would be fun. I, I, I It would be so, so, so exciting in August and September for all these teams trying to fight their way back into October. He is uh, Dominic Catronio. Follow him on Twitter at Dom underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O. 
listen to him and Vinny Rotino on the Lockdown Brewers uh, podcast multiple times a week. Uh, you hear his stats all the time on broadcast on uh, Valley Sports Wisconsin, Turner Sports as well. Dom, thank you so much for uh, taking this time. Uh, really enjoy everything that you and Vinny are doing, and uh, hopefully we can do this again in the future. Cheers, Matt. Happy to do it. Dom Catronio joining us here on Brewers Externals, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. And that's just about going to do it for uh, this edition of the podcast. Thanks so much for uh, being tuned in. My appreciation to uh, Dom for joining me. First time guest on the podcast. We'll certainly get him back on uh, in the future. Thanks to you for uh, being tuned in. And we will talk to you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.